Blog Talk Radio. And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet, bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. Try that again. You're listening to the KIRP radio show. Last Friday nights of the month, we guest host me, Rocco P. P is for my last name. KIRP is completely different. KIRP is keeping it real with Pudgy Miller. Thank you again, Pudgy Miller, for for the opportunity to use your platform to discuss a variety of topics of political, social, and spiritual nature. Tonight's topic is President Donald J. Trump and Syria. President Donald J. Trump and Syria. When you look at this, or really almost anything involving the president, the temptation is always to think of it in terms of and being really, really general, neither personality 
you know, like you know, President Trump, who he is, why he does this, this or that, advisors around him, or to look at in terms of uh, you know, the the pragmatic is the pragmatic situation. This happened, so that has to happen uh, because something because Syria did this in this case. The U.S. should do that. The U.S. should do this. Um, I want to step back and, and look at it more fundamentally. I talked about the left-right paradigm. I've mentioned that before numerous times in the show, basically saying that the two-party system is essentially a scam. It's a rigged game. And when I say that, some people will get some people get uh, emotional. Some people get upset and say, "Well, you know, it's, it's conspiracy theory." And of course, you know, the phrase "conspiracy theory" pretty much comes from the CIA, because after President Kennedy was assassinated. Uh, Immediately, journalists, particularly independent-minded people, start to see holes in the official narrative, particularly of one lone assassin. And they talked, the phrase they were using was assassination theories. But the CIA wanted to ridicule that and draw attention away from people questioning the official narrative. So they said, well, that's conspiracy theory. So we've got that phrase to this day enshrined in U.S. popular culture. I don't know if they use it abroad, too. But, you know, that's used to just a ridicule to denigrate, uh, to uh, make something appear ridiculous. The reality of the two-party system, though, it, it is fraudulent, just like left versus right is fraud. Of course, there are genuine differences in issues, but the people in power continue to uh, execute and implement and unfold the same policy, regardless of who's in office regardless of who controls Congress. Case in point, case in point, case in point. I've said this in detail on the show before. The vast majority, I wouldn't say every one, every Republican running for Congress, but the vast majority ran on a platform that you need to elect me in large part because, because I, you need me to repeal Obamacare. When Obamacare initially was mystically made law by an illegal decision by the Supreme Court. And incidentally, the Supreme Court doesn't create law, doesn't make law. We, we might have a guest tonight to elaborate on that a little bit more. The Supreme Court, based upon the original functions, original definition of the Constitution, give an opinion. Congress, then, after the Supreme Court gives an opinion, can change law. The Supreme Court doesn't make law. But if, like me, if you were raised in a school that used a major textbook, textbook publisher, you grow up thinking that, well, a Supreme Court decision becomes law. That's completely false. But when the Supreme Court waved the magic wand and said, well, Obamacare is legal because it's a tax, uh, again, talk about that, you know, that troublesome Constitution. If that was the case, they would have had to throw it back into the House because all revenue bills originate with the House. But apart from the Constitution, uh, Immediately when that happened, then Willard Mitt Romney, who's running for president, he started to use the phrase, well, I'm going to now repeal and replace it. So it was very interesting. In the popular discourse then, that's what the Republicans started to regurgitate. It was R&R. &R. It was just repeal. It was repeal and replace, repeal and replace, repeal and replace. And that idea assumes the presupposition is that the government has to do something. You hear that a lot with gun control. Something happens. There's an event in the government has to do something. And of course, after a mass shooting, which is always horrific, always a terrible tragedy, terrible loss of life, 
what the government should do is hold people accountable, like the FBI in Florida, when they ignored someone that tipped them off, that someone on social media said I, I, something to the effect of I would like to be a school shooter. And uh, there's someone named Nick Cruz who ended up being an alleged school shooter, never investigated. But I digress. Uh, the mantra became repeal and replace. And so first, first you heard, well, you know, Republicans have control of House to do it because people know a little bit about the Constitution. Now they do know, once again, revenue bills originated in the House. So if the Republicans control the House, they could cut off funding to Obamacare and kill it. Guess what? The Republicans had control of the House when Obama was in office, and they did not defund it. Then they said, well, no, 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 no. We really need control of the Senate, which is a lie. But they said that. They said that. And then they got control of the Senate. Republicans got control of the Senate. And Obamacare didn't go away. And they said, you know, you know, uh, Barack Hussein Obama, a.k.a. Barry Satoru, he, he could just veto it, so we really need the White House. And then we elected Donald J. Trump. Uh, I'm sorry, call, caller just hung up. I'm sorry about that caller. I normally do an intro. Please call back. I'll get you on. Uh, then we got Donald J. Trump elected. So the Republicans then controlled the House. The Republicans controlled the Senate. The Republicans controlled the White House. And Obamacare, officially known as the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, is still the law of the land. So, point being, they lie to us. I mean, the vast majority of Americans know politicians lie, but they don't know the magnitude and the depth of it. They, they don't know institutionally that the entire two-party system is a scam designed to keep us divided and as the, to basically implement the same policy goals. This, this was stated explicitly in a book called Tragedy and Hope, uh, History of the World in Our Time, the subtitle, by Carol Quigley. Carol Quigley was history professor at Georgetown University, one of Bill Clinton's mentors, and that was his magnum opus. He wrote many, many books about the you know, so-called Anglo-American Empire, which some people I in particular would call the New World Order. But Carol Quigley said that explicitly in the book that was written for the intelligentsia and that then was released to the general public, Tragedy and Hope. And he basically said, uh, this idea, the two parties, it's, it's uh, just designed to uh, basically, yeah, keep the people occupied. <laughs> that's what he said. And that's why nothing fundamentally changes. And Trump in particular is extremely dangerous because with Donald J. Trump, they gave us a false populist. They gave us a false nationalist. They gave us a false per person who is falsely claiming that they would represent what was best for American, for the people. And that's why you had a fair amount of Democrats voting for Trump. That's why you had a lot of independents voting for Trump. You had a lot of people that weren't voting that basically came out to vote for Trump because you know they listened to his message. And yeah, you know, granted, the candidate Trump was flawed. Don't don't get me wrong, but he said some some really some spectacular things, particularly about the Middle East, particularly about the Middle East and U.S. war. He basically said the Iraq war was a colossal mistake. He said it was a colossal mistake. And, uh, yeah, he defended that. I remember before the South Carolina primary, 
when he was running for president, I, I basically said, I listened to those debates. I had a friend over, and we listened to it. And, uh, you know, we were both Ron Paul supporters. We basically said, you know, tonight uh, Donald Trump sounds like Ron Paul on steroids, at least in, in that area, when he was completely denouncing how horrifically bad Iraq was. That it was a complete disaster. Yet, as always, when politicians are elected, it appears as they change. And what changes, obviously? In reality, nothing changes. In other words, I would maintain Donald J. Trump believed what he believed before he was elected, but the rhetoric changes, the message changes, the script changes, and so many other areas. But tonight we're talking about Syria. Uh, if you want to get on the air, again, this phone number is 619 Topic tonight, President Trump and Syria. If you have not heard, uh, the U.S. lobbed a good number of cruise missiles into Syria. And they did that recently based upon an alleged chemical attack. Okay. The U.S. did. So this is, this is the logic. Okay. We'll start out really, really basic, and we'll drill down. We'll go into more detail. The story that was told is that uh, Bashar Assad, Syrian president, call him a dictator, that's fine, uh, he supposedly gassed some of his own people in a city outside Damascus. And around 40 people died, supposedly, including children. So immediately, shortly after Trump said the U.S. was going to pull out of Syria, then said, well, Assad's an animal. There's, there's going to be a price to pay. You know, the the tweeter in chief, you know, started going ballistic on that. Yeah, he started talking worse about Assad, Assad than he did James Comey at the time. I mean, it was it was bad. It was it was intense. So, the U.S. then U.S. Uh, government military then went in and lobbed a good number of cruise missiles. I had read a couple of pieces. I believe believe it was well over 80. Could have been 100. I'm not sure. I didn't look up the cost. I know years and years ago, I remember saying that you know one cruise missile many, many years ago was $1 million. With inflation now, you know, it's probably $2 million. So we had an attack that you'd say at the very least cost $80 million. And it was ostensibly done. I say ostensibly, allegedly, purportedly done because... It was humanitarian. Okay. So yes, how is a military attack humanitarian? The, the, the alleged logic of the U.S. government, as now represented by Donald J. Trump, Mr. President, is that we, quote, the government of the United States, had to make Assad pay for this because it was so horrific. It was so terrible. It was so bad that he wouldn't do it again. So it was allegedly a humanitarian cruise missile attack. And yeah, that's it. That's that's the bare bone basis. That's the way that's the way it was packaged and sold to the people. And you probably perceive I don't particularly buy that narrative. I don't I don't I do not subscribe to that script. Uh I don't, I don't get that cable channel. Uh, well, I don't believe that cable channel. 
so tonight we're gonna we're gonna drill down. We're gonna talk about the attack. You know what had, you know what what happened and what didn't happen. When you when you look at anything like this, it's always important to step back and look at the big picture as far as what happened in the past. Now, there's a reason TV is so popular, and I want to ba- I don't want to bash all TV. I really I mean I stopped watching. Uh, TV, in other words, I, I got rid of the cable and stuff a couple of years ago, but now yeah, everything is changing because you have the internet now, and now you get live streaming TV on the internet, and there's Hulu, and uh, you know there's Netflix as far as movies. So uh, I'm not I'm not saying you know, all media is uh, is is inherently wrong to watch. I'm not. I mean, I, I believe the Bible. I think uh, a lot of the entertainment stuff is corrupt. Uh, commercials. I mean, I think a lot of it's corrupt. But as far as the content, yeah, no, it's, it's not all wrong. But it, as far as you know, the populace, you know, we they call it programs. They call it programming for a reason, <laughs> because they want to program the people. They they want to program the people. It's very effective with you know you have you have you know the visual stimulation of TV. It's, it's, it's extremely effective. And you've got you know you've got these studios. Um, a lot of TV news is scripted. I mean, it's, it's extremely, extremely scripted. It's not spontaneous. It's, uh, it's really like acting to a large degree. It's, it's really acting. But this is what they sold to us. But you want to step back and not just get absorbed in you know the heat of the moment. You want to say, okay, you know, what's the conflict in Syria? What's the cause of the conflict in Syria? And what was the role of the U.S. before the alleged, this alleged humanitarian missile attack? So you want to ask, you know, what's the conflict in Syria? What's the role of the U.S. in Syria? And, you know, how, how do, do we view, in, in light of the bigger picture then, of what's going on in Syria, how do we view this humanitarian missile attack? Now, along those lines, what, what I'd like to do I've got I've got two videos. Uh, they're both very very good. The first one is interesting. It's from MSNBC, and I'll refrain from playing with those four letters MSNBC. I'll show a little restraint tonight. But it was from MSNBC, and they had on a professor from Columbia University, Jeffrey D. Sachs. Jeffrey D. Sachs, and normally, yeah, you know, I just bash TV. This this segment was interesting because Professor Sachs essentially explained in a few moments the reality of the conflict in Syria. In other words, this professor explains in a few moments very succinctly, very clearly, what is the nature of the Syrian, so-called Syrian civil war and what has the role of the U.S. been in this. And you know, we could debate you know, why they let this out there. Okay, the the positive side would be to say, okay, I just got done saying a few minutes ago, uh, TV news is acting, it's staged and it's scripted. So the positive side would be they let a guy slip in uh, who had a conscience and yeah, who uh, you know couldn't get paid off. The more the more negative side would be they knew exactly what he was going to say, and this is part of the deeper conditioning that they want the truth to get out. But they don't care as long as the people don't care. 
Okay, you catch that? They don't care what you know as long as it doesn't make any difference. You can say that about a lot of issues. I mean, you can say that about a lot of issues. Uh, particularly, I mean, you look at, you know, since currently the Republicans control, you know, majority in Congress and the White House, uh, it's easy to it's easy to beat them up because they're in power now. Again, Obamacare, complete mind control. That you know, Obamacare is still in place. Complete mind control. Uh, funding of Planned Parenthood. Have some time. I'll mention that again in light of the Syrian conflict, why the Republicans that have ran on a platform saying very explicitly, you elect me because I will repeal Obamacare. doesn't get repealed. You elect me, and I'll make sure funding for Planned Parenthood goes away. And, of course, they could have done that years ago. It doesn't happen. But I'm going to play this clip first. Uh, it's just a, it's about five and a half minutes of uh, Professor Sachs on MSNBC. Once again, uh, I'll talk a little bit about what he says. He pretty much lays out the, you know, the stark reality of the nature of the Syrian conflict and how the U.S. is tragically responsible for the entire Syrian conflict because it's essentially a proxy war. It's a proxy war in Syria between the U.S., and Russia. That, that's really, that's what it is in a nutshell. But I'll play the clip now. Time in. This is very different than just a war between two countries. This is as convoluted as it gets and could get out of tr control. I don't think people might really conceptualize, maybe even not this president, how out of control this could uh, escalate. It's true, but I think we have to step back and not put this uh, in partisan terms. This is a U.S. mistake that started seven years ago. And I remember the day on, uh, on your show mm -hmm. uh, when uh, President Obama said, Assad must go. Mm -hmm. And I looked at uh, you and Joe and I said, huh, how's he going to do that? Where's the policy for that? Right. And we know uh, they sent in the CIA to overthrow Assad, the CIA and Saudi Arabia together uh, in covert operations tried to overthrow Assad. It was a disaster. Eventually it brought in both ISIS as a splinter group to the jihadists that went in. It also brought in Russia. So we have been digging deeper and deeper and deeper. What we should do now is get out and not continue to throw missiles, not have a confrontation with Russia. Seven years has been a disaster under Obama continuing under Trump. This is what I would call the permanent state. This is uh, the CIA. This is uh, Pentagon wanting to keep Iran and Russia out of Syria, but no way to do that. And so we have made a proxy war in Syria. It's killed 500,000 people, displaced 10 million. And I'll say predictably so, because I predicted it seven years ago that there was no way to do this and that it would make a complete chaos so what I would plead to President Trump is get out, like his instinct told him, by the way. That was his instinct. But then all the establishment, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Pentagon, everybody said, no, no, that's irresponsible. But his instinct is right. Get out. We've done enough damage, seven years. And now we really risk a confrontation with Russia. 
that is extraordinarily dangerous, mm -hmm. reckless. Admiral Savridis, President Trump has said, going back now several months, that we should get out of Syria. That was his advice to Barack Obama many years ago, get out of Syria. What are the consequences if you walk away right now from Syria without responding to a chemical attack from the regime there? Yeah, I think, I think there are two problems with uh, Professor Sachs's comments, although I, I certainly uh, feel that sense of Middle East fatigue that we all have. And of course, it's not just Syria, it's Iraq, it's Afghanistan. There have been a, a whole series of things that have generated the kind of feeling that says, you know, let's just pull back, let's get out of the world, let's come back to the United States. I think there are two fundamental problems with that. One is the use of chemical weapons, I think, really does demand a response from the international community at a level of military strike. So I do support a strike here. Uh, and secondly, and, and I think Professor Sachs is correct to say this is a massive humanitarian disaster. I think the numbers are actually 600,000 dead and 14 million displaced. So. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm in complete agreement with him on the scale of this, but I, I would like to see the United States try and be part of the solution. And here, what I would do is look back to the Balkans in the 1990s, which looked somewhat like Syria of today, and there was eventually an international solution, and it included the U.S. and Russia working together. We've got a long way to go to get there. But if we just step away from it, as attractive as that feels to us, I don't think it's the right decision, either for the country or for the international community. I don't think it's attractive, but I think we have to understand how this happened. This happened because of us. These 600,000 are not just uh, incidental. We started a war to overthrow a regime. It was covert. It was timber sycamore. People can look it up, the CIA operation together with Saudi Arabia, still shrouded in secrecy, which is part of the problem in our country. A major war effort, shrouded in secrecy, never debated by Congress, never explained to the American people, signed by President Obama, never explained. And this created chaos. And so just throwing more missiles in right now is not a response. My only concern... We need to go, it's by the way, not to walk away, to go to the UN Security Council as the Admiral says, to agree with Russia on a strategy for ending the fight. But ending the fight means that we stop trying to overthrow a government, that we stop trying to support rebels who are committed to overthrowing the government. That is where this war continues, because we to this day back rebels that are trying to overthrow a government contrary to international law, contrary to the UN Charter, contrary to common sense, contrary to practical path, we can't do it. And it's just creating ongoing crisis to the extent of facing an imminent confrontation with Russia. So I, I think this is an um, important conversation to have. So Jeff. There you have it, very succinctly said by Professor Jeffrey D. Sachs, the brutal, brutal reality of the Syrian conflict is that it was instigated cause, caused and directed by the United States government. The U.S. used the CIA working with Saudi Arabia, Saudi intelligence assets to undermine and eventually overthrow the Assad regime. So the whole crisis, the professor said it very well, 
really, you know, essentially shut up the admiral there who was paid to, you know, be a warmonger, as was the majority of the people on the MSNBC uh, forum. Uh, he said it very well. Uh, the U.S. is responsible for all this. So it's fascinating. I mean, I use the phrase mind control. I'm not really joking, but we really do have mass media mind control because essentially what we have in work is that the two-party systems are fraud. Uh, when they come, they'll normally come together. It's designed to divide us while the same agenda continues inexorably. Uh, same agenda continues. Uh, same agenda always continues. Same policies, different rhetoric, packaged different. So when, especially war, uh, comes into play, we see clearly that the so-called liberal media, like the New York Times and the Washington Post, as the professor said, they're all on board. I mean, they're just, yeah, they're essentially Pentagon spokesmen. I mean, some people have said the Washington Post is CIA's, you know, favorite controlled newspaper. So, again, you could look at, you could look at the media aspect of this in far greater detail. There's a lot out there um, as far as how much the media is, you know, directly controlled by elements of the intelligence community and others. So, what really happened then? Okay, we know, you know the big picture. We had this attack, allegedly. Allegedly, there was this attack. And what happened? What happened with this so-called latest attack? Again, it's good to back up to the not-too-recent past. Not-too-recent past. There, there was no evidence in two attacks previous to this year that the government of Syria was responsible. There was none. Okay. Uh, again, yeah, Trump had authorized a smaller missile attack last year based upon, again, an alleged chemical weapons attack upon the civilian population. There's no evidence. That came out, that was said explicitly by Defense Secretary and retired Marine General Mattis, whose nickname is Mad Dog, I kid you not. But uh, General Matt, former General Mad Dog Mattis, Secretary of State Mattis, came out, and uh, this was covered on February 2nd of this year. I'll quote from the Associated Press piece, Associated Press, mainstream organ, mainstream mouthpiece. Quote, the U.S. has no evidence to confirm reports from eight groups and others that the Syrian government has used a deadly chemical sarin on citizens, Defense Secretary Jim Mattis said Friday. Quote, we have other reports from the battlefield from people who claim it's been used, Mattis told reporters at the Pentagon. We do not have evidence of it. Would you like me to repeat that? We do not have evidence of it. He said he was not rebutting the reports, and that that's the mind control. Quote, we're looking for the evidence of it. Since clearly we are dealing with the Assad regime, Assad regime that has used the denial and deceit tied their outlaw actions, Mattis said. And that, that, that's, he says, mind control at the end. He admits, we do not have evidence of it. And says nothing about the, the, the horrific culpability and blood on the hands of the U.S. for the previous, miss, previous missile attacks. And he just says, oh, but we're looking for evidence of it because, yeah, because Assad's used an island deceit. Wow. Talk about the now deceit when you know, the U.S. has started this proxy war via the CIA with Saudi intelligence assets. Wow. That's why some people call 
Al-Qaeda, Al-Qaeda, or Al-Qaeda, the... This time, it's even more interesting. So you back up again to the, pre- the previous so-called attacks. They know they weren't chemical attacks, but let's say they were, and there's no evidence now. Let's say they were. How could you prove conclusively, conclusively, that the Syrian government was responsible? The so-called jihadis, and you know, there's a variety of groups you know, that the U.S. is, is using to overthrow, uh, try, attempt to overthrow Assad in this proxy war. But they have access to different weapons. How could you, even if it occurred, how could you conclusively state that the Assad regime was responsible? No one talks about that. No one wants to go there. No one wants to go there. This time, it's even more, it's even more spectacular in that in this instance, when we had this massive cruise missile response from the U.S., you know, humanitarian cruise missiles, yeah. <laughs> there's not even evidence an attack occurred, okay? Russia Today, obviously, you know, a Russian news outlet, you could immediately, as, you know, you listen to this, I assume the vast majority, if not everyone who is listening to this now will listen to to this uh, show once, uh, once recorded, once archived. The vast majority of these people, if not everyone, will be U.S. citizens. So you can offhand, you can immediately just react and say, well, Russia today, Russian propaganda. Be extremely careful if you do that for this reason. The New York Times is allegedly neoliberal. Washington Post is allegedly neoliberal. They were on the bandwagon for this. They were basically mouthpieces of the Pentagon. So don't be so quick to completely dismiss Anything Russia today says, just because it happens to be owned by the Russian government. In the U.S., it's more sophisticated where the government doesn't own the networks, but they control them. <laughs> they control them as far as, as, far as the news. There's no, there's no evidence that an attack took place. You've had others. You can go to a great site called ZeroHedge.com, ZeroHedge.com, and ZeroHedge gets yeah, a boatload of traffic. They have a huge, huge web presence, a lot of traffic on that site. And Zero Hedge will print their analysis and sometimes other pieces, their own pieces and others. And there's been more than one uh, accomplished European journalist that's gone over to Syria, said there's no evidence of an attack. Russia appeared before the OPCWS, or what is the OPCW? That's the Organization Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons in The Hague in the Netherlands. Okay? And they brought 18 alleged victims from the city of Duma. That's a city outside Damascus where it happened. And those 18 alleged victims, one was a child in a popular video, said there was no attack. Uh, the child basically said they were in a basement and they were told to go to the hospital. They went to the hospital and then someone sprayed water on them. And then they cleaned it off the rags, and yeah, there's some stuff on the rags that irritated them a little bit. Okay, this is what people on the ground are saying. So, if you, if you, if you get behind the headlines, even in this latest humanitarian response of, of missiles, and I say that I say that sarcastically. No, I don't think it was humanitarian to use cruise missiles in Syria. 
But even if you get behind, even if you get to what they admitted, when the missiles were, were let loose, the U.S. government still admitted they didn't have evidence. They said they were very careful. The Pentagon said they believed or they were confident Assad did it, just like they said in the past, and they were proven to be out-and-out liars, out-and-out liars. Now, when I use the phrase liar, some people say, yeah, well, that's, that's incendiary. Uh, you're impugning, you're impugning the motives, you're impugning the motives of people uh, in, in the Pentagon power. Oh, no, 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 I'm not. They lied. There wasn't, there wasn't evidence, and this time there's no evidence. So you could say you believe something. I mean, uh, you could believe that you drive safely, but, you know, if you continually hit people in the rear, that's it. probably you don't drive too safely. Uh, you could say you're in great shape, but if you weigh what I do, that's, that's really not true. So they admitted even before the latest, the latest missile strike, they, they just had no, they had no solid evidence. And now it's even more mind-blowing that Russia's using, you know, this organization, the organization, uh, this organization, OPCW, uh, the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, with people actually on the ground, with people who were there when it supposedly took place, and they say, didn't take place, didn't happen, wasn't there. So one more video I'll play uh, before I wrap up the show. I was hoping I'd have uh, one other caller. I guess someone, someone's supposed to uh, call in. Would have been good. Would have gotten some help on the constitutional aspect of this. I'm going to play one other video here by Ben Swan. Ben Swan does some excellent work. His reality check is back. And uh, this is he's done a number on Syria. This was his one after the latest strike called Reality Check. Do lies, did lies justify U.S. airstrikes on Syria? Did lies justify U.S. airstrikes on Syria? Well, the U.S. seems to be stuck on repeat. Our government and our media are again peddling lies to justify war, from WMDs in Iraq to humanitarian intervention in Libya. The latest, a U.S.-led missile strike on Syria for alleged use of chemical weapons on civilians. This, just a week after President Trump said we were ready to get our troops out of that country. Time and time again, history has proven that our government has made the wrong choice in its efforts to overthrow authoritarian governments in the Middle East, from Iraq to Libya, and now it's happening again in Syria, another war that we're being dragged into based on lies. This is a reality check you won't get anywhere else. Reality Check with Ben Swan, powered by Dash Digital Cash. So much has happened in Syria in the past two weeks. An alleged gas attack by the Assad regime, missile strikes blamed on Israel hit Syria, killed some 14 people, including Iranians. And then President Trump announcing late Friday that the U.S. had launched its own missile attack on Syria in coordination with allies from France and the United Kingdom. Listen. A short time ago, I ordered the United States Armed Forces to launch precision strikes on targets associated with the chemical weapons capabilities of Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad. The evil and the despicable attack left mothers and fathers, infants and children thrashing in pain and gasping for air. These are not the actions of a man. They are crimes of a monster instead. 
Now, as we reported just last week, it was just a year ago that President Trump authorized the first missile strike on Syria. So what did this new bombing involve? Let's take a look at that. So here's what we know about it. The missile strikes hit just before dawn in Syria. They were carried out by manned U.S. military aircraft and targeted an airfield, an alleged chemical weapons storage and manufacturing facility, and command and control of the Syrian air defenses. And while this barrage of airstrikes is currently over, the Pentagon did not rule out further strikes later on. Now, U.S. Secretary of Defense James Mattis, he has already previously stated that there was no evidence, remember this, no evidence, that Syrian President Bashar al-Assad used sarin gas on his own people. But now Mattis seems to be telling a different story. Listen to this. Clearly, the Assad regime did not get the message last year. This time, our allies and we have struck harder. Together, we have sent a clear message to Assad and his murderous lieutenants that they should not perpetrate another chemical weapons attack for which they will be held accountable. Well, to be clear, our government is claiming that there is evidence of a chlorine gas attack, and they are framing this bombing as a retaliatory measure to stop Assad from gassing his own people. A humanitarian action, that's what they're calling it. Yet as the Financial Times reported last Wednesday, it's going to take weeks to confirm if deadly gas was used, and by whom, if we ever even know that. Again, Mattis said there is no evidence that Assad used sarin gas on his own people. And why would he? What motive would the Syrian government have to gas attack civilians if it would only risk Western retaliation, which certainly came? But remember, the U.S. government has a history of taking humanitarian action without evidence. Remember when Colin Powell and Dick Cheney and others in the Bush administration said there was no doubt that Saddam Hussein had weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? Iraq declared 8,500 liters of anthrax, but UNSCOM estimates that Saddam Hussein could have produced 25,000 liters. Simply stated, there is no doubt that Saddam Hussein now has weapons of mass destruction. There is no doubt that he is amassing them to use them against our friends, against our allies, and against us. He didn't. The lies continued with claims that after our invasion of Iraq, the extremists would be curtailed and taken care of, and that there would be democracy in the Middle East. Yet with some 4,500 American lives lost and $2.4 trillion spent, Iraq is still a mess. What about Libya? In an episode of Reality Check from early March, I talked about the open market slave trade that is happening there right now as a result of U.S. intervention. The United States is not going to deploy ground troops into Libya. And we are not going to use force to go beyond a well-defined goal, specifically the protection of civilians in Libya. In the coming weeks, we will continue to help the Libyan people with humanitarian and economic assistance so that they can fulfill their aspirations peacefully. Even former President Barack Obama said the overthrow of Muammar Gaddafi was his single greatest mistake in office. And yet, here we go again. The mainstream media is severely failing to hold them accountable. Case in point, the latest airstrikes. They were authorized by the president, not by Congress. Congressional leaders, they were notified by the vice president shortly before the airstrikes were carried out. That is, of course, not constitutional. So many presidents have done it, though. Back in 2013, Trump criticized then-President Obama on Twitter for even considering striking Syria without congressional approval, saying this, quote, the president must get congressional approval before attacking Syria. Big mistake if he does not. 
So what you need to know is that history tends to repeat itself if we let it. So our government very well could be trying to do the same thing in Syria that we've done in Libya and Iraq, and it certainly looks like they are. The trail goes back even further, though. There is a WikiLeaks cable from 2006 detailing how to overthrow Assad, including radicalizing Islamists in that region. Yet President Trump says this bombing was a targeted attack to stop the use of chemical weapons. That's it. But is that really it? UK Prime Minister Theresa May took it further, stating that, quote, this is not about regime change. They always say that. It's hard to believe when history tells us a very different story. That's Reality Check. Let's talk about it right now on social media. Again, that was the great Ben Swan. You see him on YouTube and elsewhere. Reality Check Did, gave an excellent summary. So we have the U.S. using a massive cruise missile attack allegedly for humanitarian reasons allegedly to persuade a government not to attack its civilians again when in this instance there's not only there's no evidence that an attack even occurred that's what happened let's say it did okay let's say it did let, let, let me let me flip the script here a little bit okay so let's say the Assad regime would defy all logic, knowing full well that the U.S. has caused yeah, the U.S. forces. They've, they've created this proxy war through intelligence agencies and using Saudi Arabia. Let's say, for some reason, that would defy all logic because Assad obviously knows the U.S., is and has been attempting to destroy him and overthrow him, and thus far it's failed. But you know, it's, as you heard the numbers, how many people have died, been displaced, and all. Uh, let's say he did. Let's say, let's say, Bashar al-Assad was guilty of three chemical weapons attacks on his own people. Let's say it happened. No evidence. Uh, again, last time. I can't stress that enough. There's no evidence an attack even occurred, much less that he could prove Assad did it. But let's say let's say he did. Let's flip the script here theoretically. Assad did do that. Okay. What would be the constitutional grounds for the U.S. to then respond militarily? The admiral in the first clip I used with uh, the professor on MSNBC, they said, I think we should go in. Uh, notice he said nothing about the rule of law. The highest law of the land is still allegedly the U.S. Constitution. Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 says, only Congress could declare war. So we've had a real bad track record. We in the U.S. government has, I don't want to say we, I don't want to equate us with the government, okay? It's a real bad mistake. They use that to manipulate us. Uh, the U.S. government has had a real bad problem after World War II because war has never been declared. It started with Korea in 1950. So we continue to have this horrific expansion of presidential executive power, extremely dangerous. But the people 
we elect. And again, of course, it's a rigged game if uh, <laughs> voting is the illusion of choice. Uh, the people, people in Congress tolerate it. President willingly act. They treat the officer of the president as dictator. That's why you constantly hear commander-in-chief, commander-in-chief, commander-in-chief. Historically, the president only became commander-in-chief when there was a legal declared war. But now, post-World War II, particularly post-Korean War, the U.S. is in a state of perpetual war. So we have a perpetual commander-in-chief. doesn't make it constitutional. Remember, whatever, whatever law is passed, whether it's, it's, it's the ridiculous authorization for the use of military force, which was pa- passed after the greatest slap and Paul slag in U.S. history in 9-11, uh, was the uh, authorization for the use of military force. No law that Congress passes contra- contradicts the Constitution is legal. Did you catch that? No law that Congress could pass if it, it's unconstitutional is legal. They, they could say the president tomorrow would basically get to, uh, I don't know, would get to uh, eat a meal in everyone's house if he ever showed up and knocked on the door. That doesn't make constitutional. But let's say Assad did do it. Okay, let's say that Assad did do it. First off, there'd be no constitutional basis to strike. Okay. Now, if you want to argue the humanitarian thing, then you'd still say there would have to be a basis in the law to do it. Right? It's, there is none. Well, again, let, let's say he did it. Let's go. Let's go with the moral case. You set aside the Constitution. It's clearly unconstitutional. Go with the moral angle. Say, okay, well, Constitution, whether you want to say it's a living document or not, you just set it aside, you ignore it, you say it's irrelevant. Times have changed. You use whatever you want to, to, to you know, subvert and undermine the highest law of the land. That's fine. Uh, not that it's good, but for sake of argument, you say, okay, humanitarian. The U.S. has to do something because innocent children were killed. Oh, really? Oh, really? In Waco, in the United States, the U.S. government, illegally with military helping out, killed U.S. citizens, including children. That's a fact. That's a fact. Okay. David Koresh. Look that up in Waco, if you don't don't know about that. What if after Waco occurred, and again, it's indisputable that the U.S. government, including elements of the military, but even if it wasn't, even if you said it was just police, uh, they killed U.S. citizens, including a number of children. What if after that happened, Russia or China then lobbed some some cruise missiles into the U.S. to basically teach the U.S. a lesson that they shouldn't kill their own children? Would that have been justified? Now, if you think the analogy I just used is, is uh, irrational and ridiculous, think about what's being said. The U.S. is claiming that they have the moral high ground to use military force in a foreign nation. And in that foreign nation, the U.S. has created the conflict. That's what Trump and people in Congress aren't saying. The good professor from Columbia said it. But, yeah, Congress and Trump aren't saying it. The U.S. claims it has moral authority to use military force against Syria 
when they're responsible for starting a legal proxy war to begin with. So if the U.S. has the moral high ground, if Assad did kill some of his own, some innocent civilians and children, how could you possibly say a nation that had military means, why would they not be justified then in having lobbed cruise missiles into the U.S. after Waco? Look at let's look at another angle. Okay, if if you believe this moral high ground nonsense, if you believe this mind control, that it's moral to use military force because the government allegedly has killed some of their own people. Right. How do you explain the fact that the Republican-controlled Congress with the Republican in the White House continues to fund Planned Parenthood? Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion provider in the United States. Their main business is killing babies. It's their main business. And Republicans have run time and time again for office saying, you elect me, the funding for Planned Parenthood goes away. And of course, again, bringing up that pesky constitution, uh, you only need to control the House to control funding because all funding originates in the House. But now the Republicans control the House, the Senate, and the White House, and they continue to fund Planned Parenthood, which kills babies. How, how does how does horrific liar and scum like Trump? These people are psychopaths. That they're they're beyond liars. They're psychopaths. How could they say with a straight face they have this moral ground pact in Syria? And I'm not just talking about Lindsey Graham and John McCain. You know those those you know, neocon you know, warmongers and whores. Talk about the president himself. Talk about the president himself. There's no there's no moral high ground here. It's complete illusion that these people are scum and they're lying to you. I don't care if you're a Republican or Democrat or Independent. Understand one thing tonight. They have lied to the American public. They have lied to you. They've nastily lied to you. Ben Swan's piece was beautiful. They lied in the past about weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. You talk about the humanitarian angle of Iraq. They won't even conduct a, a public policy poll that I know of. I think the Brits did one after the U.S. invasion. And like 90% of the Iraqis said the U.S. has to get out. Why? Because the U.S., it wasn't, like, it wasn't like Saddam Hussein was a popular guy, but the U.S. destroyed the infrastructure of Iraq. All right? I believe 25% of Iraq, 25%, one of every four of Iraqis became refugees, fled the country. The Christianity was destroyed, it was devastated in Iraq. Under Assad, Iraq was a secular, was a secular, was a secular Arab country. After he left, what is it? The, the U.S. made it an Islamic state. That's right. That's right. So you have all these mind control Christians that think it's great. Uh, this is God's will that the U.S. the U.S. intervene these kinds. They have no idea what they're talking about. Take some time to talk to some Christians in, in Iraq to find out exactly what happened. The U.S. intervention in Iraq not only destroyed the infrastructure, it helped destroy Christianity in Iraq. That's that's what the U.S. did. That's the that that's your moral high ground. That's what the U.S. does. So don't let people lie to you. Don't let the government lie to you. Because you're going to hear this, you're going to hear a script again. You're going to hear the script again. You could go back to the Project for a New American Century. Okay? And they had they had a paper they released, a white paper in nineteen ninety nine. And in that paper, they said 
they needed a paradigm. They said they needed a new Pearl Harbor to remake the Middle East the way they wanted it to. And they had a list of countries. There's a list, there's a list of countries they were going to go after. May not have been and may not have been in uh, in that white paper, but that came out. General Wesley Clark had said that later on. There's a list of nations, and the last one was going to be Saudi Arabia. Yeah, they strategically have to get Syria first, then Iran, and then Saudi Arabia would be the last one to go. That's been the old that's been the open plan for years, and they lie to the U.S. public. They claim it's moral when some of these people in office are the most filthy, immoral, disgusting, degenerate people in the universe. When they continue to fund Planned Parenthood, it kills babies. You've been listening to the KRP radio show last Friday night in the month with Rocco P. Once, once again, I want to thank Pudgy Miller for the opportunity to use his platform, and I do hope to be back next month. At the same time, oh, we do have a caller. So, is that is that who I think it is? Yes, sir, Rock. I've been listening the last seven minutes. Awesome job, my friend. Okay, so I have uh, I do have a constitutional expert here, Dr. Greg Brandon, who's a medical doctor who's also run for office uh, at least three times at the federal level. And I just I just like you to clarify now. I was wrapping it up, but I'm so glad you called in. Uh, I pontificated a little bit about the Constitution. I, I spouted off about Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, said a little bit about Commander-in-Chief. Is, is there any constitutional basis for what, what just happened in Syria? No, zero. Look what happened when, when the red line, according to Obama, what? the Republicans stood up and said no. Then this time is okay. Very clearly, as you talked about, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11, Congress declares war, period. Then the president becomes commander-in-chief. That's exactly what Hamilton said in the 74th Federalist Paper. That's why what made America so awesome was that our military was controlled by civil administration. What's happened now, I think it's been 369 conflicts in American history. Only five wars were actually constitutionally declared 11 times. problem, Rocco, is this. We've come to a point where one man decides what occurs. Jefferson said himself, no man will ever take from the state of peace to war. And I've been listening to you for years. Here's the thing that's so awesome. This whole thing about American interests, this is financial for multinational companies for their interests. <laughs> they, they spent a month, a month in uh, August of eight, 1787, how America would actually go to war. They talked about Augustine, Thomas Aquinas. It'd be a defensive Christian war. This is not a Christian war. And when you're talking about believers around the world think that about jumping bombs is good, God's will, that's insanity. That's insanity. No, nah, I I, uh, I I I completely hear you. Did did you have did you have any thoughts as far as uh, the big picture uh, early on in the show tonight? I played a clip from a professor from Columbia who said this entire conflict is caused by the U.S. It's a proxy war that was started by the CIA using Saudi Arabia. So it becomes even more disgusting when you realize. This whole this whole conflict it was caused by the U.S. 100 percent. And from a friend of mine about oh, 12 years ago to walk me through how the CIA under Kermit Alexander, uh, the CIA, Kermit Kermit, uh, Kermit uh, Roosevelt under CIA Project Ajax 1953, the CIA overthrew an elected uh, prime minister of Mossadegh in Iran. 
You want to know the history? That's what it is. And that was from you to me. And then when I did the research, it was mind-boggling. So the answer is yes. The CIA intervention around the world. Again, having the best military in the world is a great American way to do this. It's fantastic. But the key thing is you want the best military world, and pray to God you never use it. And that's the problem. And most military, most of them, I know a ton of them. Fort Bragg, Camp Lejeune, they want to be prepared, but they don't want to go to war unless it's defensive action. This has been a nightmare, Rocco. You're exactly correct. The history of World War I with the Berlin to Baghdad Railroad, look at that. Look at that intertwining on the same Levant area of the world. This is repetitive all the time because we're ignorant of history. Yes, throughout history, even before our U.S. context, the, the, the paranoia seems to be the people in power have an agenda. They want to go to war, but they need to convince the people to support it. So but, what they tell the people is never the reality, almost. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, follow, bottom line, for all these conflicts, see who prospers and see whose blood and treasure is sacrificed. And what they do is they, they use our love of God, of country, of patriotic aspect to raw us, which, which then puts in these conflicts. Um, I, I love the George Washington's farewell address. Thomas Jefferson's first inaugural, and John Quincy Adams' 45th anniversary of the Declaration. You want to read that about foreign policy? That should be our foreign policy. It's timeless. But you go, Greg, that's old, that's old days. How about today? Okay, read Senator Taft. His nickname was what? Mystery Republican. Book of, uh, called, <laughs> the book's called American Foreign Policy, 1951. Read that. Those yeah. principles. Principles are timeless. Right now, we and, live with the women. And correct, me, correct me if I'm wrong, Dr. Brandon. They got rid of Mr. Republican. They got rid of Mr. Senator Taft because they knew precisely he wasn't for perpetual war, and then they wanted Ike, so they went with the general, right? That's, that's what happened. happened. That's, that's yeah. what happened. Ike was, yeah, Ike was no party guy. Now, the thing about Ike was very interesting, though. He did warn us on his last day as president, right, for his federal address about the military-industrial complex. Yep. Also, when you read about Korea and you read about his administration, Eisenhower himself, five-star general, NATO command, Western Army command, they, he was called in the papers by these neocons, chicken hawk. See, it's insanity what we do. We allow it to occur. So, you know, you got, I think Cheney had six deferments. Uh, Gingrich had five deferments. Yeah. This kind of stuff is insane. Ron Paul was the only Vietnam vet we ever had right for president in the last four or five cycles. So when we start hearing about this hypocrisy, it makes me sick. So shows like yours, Rocco, and Pudgy, and getting out there, education. Education, knowledge is power. I beg people not to go on this DR, left, right, black, white, male, female. No. We're all made of career's image. We all got red blood. We bond on liberty. The, the house of cards will collapse. We may not see it in our Absolutely. time, but I guarantee Absolutely. you over at the final part, buddy, it's going to win the day. Absolutely. I said in the beginning, yeah, the whole left-right thing, nothing really changes because it's designed to divide us. I'm, I'm glad you brought up Iran because, again, in the U.S. perspective, everyone wants to think about uh, – when the uh, under uh, 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 when the embassy was taken over, and I believe it was 1979. Okay, mm-hmm. everyone wants to go back to that. Uh, uh, Khomeini, yep. Khomeini, Khomeini. Yep. No one talks about what you yep. said, and it was dec- it wasn't declassified then; it was now, as you mentioned. To understand the history again, what happened, the conflict? Why why was that Iranian regime upset with the U.S.? Well, because everyone in 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 Iran knew. That Mohammad Mosaddegh, as you mentioned, the first democratically elected leader of Iran, he did something we would disagree with. He nationalized the oil fields. That resulted, as you said, Kermit Roosevelt and the others, 
the uh, yep. forerunner to the CIA, the OSS. The Rocco, why they do that? Because Mossadegh said, hey, uh, Chevron, hey, uh, uh, British Amico, thank you very much. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to keep Iranian oil here. That couldn't be done. Right. So they put the Shah right. in with his, with his yep. henchmen and puts military, uh, you know, the, right. their version of Stasi there. Yes, I, this yep. is why it's so you, important. You, 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 took the, you, took the, you took the words out of my mouth. So, so you say, you drill back again. They want the U.S. to fixate in Iran to this day. You know, they're evil, this and that. You know, they call them Arabs and they're not. So they want to fixate on Iran because, again, Iran's on list. We know, we know the plan. Plan is to take out Syria, Iran, and then Saudi Arabia at the end. Yep. So you go back to what you said with Mossadegh. Mossadegh did something was wrong. He nationalized the oil fields, okay? That's so right. he did take you know, foreign owned private property. The response, again, of the forerunner of the CIA, the OSS, was to go in. They overthrow him. And as you said then, the Iranian angst against the U.S., the Iranian hostility against the U.S. goes back to that because a lot of Americans didn't realize under then under the Shah, who the U.S. put into power, they set up secret police that start to make people disappear and kill their political opponents. Savak, I believe. Savak yep. was the Iranian Security Service. And this script yep. has been repeated. We could go down Chile. The U.S. Chile. deposes through, through the CIA. Uh, they, they, they depose Allende, who was a socialist, put in Pinochet. Pinochet did help the economy. But uh, we have people that then disappeared. So we had this script, and, and, and the thing is I don't want to be sensationalistic and scare people, Dr. Brennan, but a lot of Americans, particularly Christians, think that can never happen here. We can never have a secret police used against us. Really? <laughs> the authorization okay, well, you know, of like, military yeah, force yeah, after yeah, 9-11, right? Yeah. Says, the authorization yeah, we, says you or I could disappear tomorrow if they believe if they just believe yeah. we're suspected, they can make yeah. it disappear or kill us. No due process. We've had the yeah. President Obama's actually four cases where four Americans are killed outside outside of our borders uh, at his decision. Uh, what no happens inside, I don't know. Been, it, it, again, the sensational part, and this is the part that we don't want to do. It's not to, we want to we want to educate people. Again, the American experiment. See what what's the American experiment based upon? based upon the individual, private property, a free market based on a gold standard, non-aggression, and the first law of natural law, self-defense, yeah. therefore the best defense possible. Yeah. That's the American experiment that they throw in front of us when they say these words, assuming that's what we're quote-unquote fighting for. Yeah. No, they're using that to empower and enrich themselves and their friends. And that's why these, these multi-trade uh, Agreements, that's not free trade. That's to squish no. a small person and, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, right now, there's a rampant uh, um, repatriation of other countries' gold from the Federal Reserve. Wait when, that, wait when, that, when there's no more gold to repatriate them. Look at what happened to Gaddafi. He wants an African currency backed by gold. He's not here. China and Russia now are actually trading everything in gold themselves. It is an interesting what's occurring is if America was run by our government constitution, we would, we would applaud those things. Free market, fantastic, wonderful. Because as you and I know, our dollar is backed by oil, which is backed by force, which is set up by Kissinger and a George H.W. Bush. The petrodollar is the nightmare of this because we change from a commodity that's gold to the commodity that's oil. You know, again, I'm repeating stuff to you. You educated me on this, yep. and we start reading. But the more you read, Rocco, 
the more our lives open up. And that's what they're scared of. That's what that's why pudgy shows been been open for years now. That's what's blown people away. We're getting to be we're breaking these barriers down and we're questioning everything and that's the best thing we can do. For two things I'd mentioned as far as, you know, the the listeners understand, you talk about defense. National defense, they, they've used that particularly in the post-World War II world in the U.S., especially national security, to keep information from the people. Yeah, I mean, even now today, over 50 years later, they still haven't declassified all the JFK documents. But mm-hmm. it's very interesting to look at history again. During World War II, we didn't have the Department of Defense. We had the Department of War. World War II right. ended then, and they changed it. Yep. And they called it the Department yep. of Defense. But it's the, it's the Department of War. The war is perpetual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Perpetual war, perpetual peace. It's a hypocrisy. And again, Rock, I know we could do this all day, but the thing I'm really begging people to do is don't trust a single word you're saying, a single word I'm saying, or Pudgy says, verify. And, and, and Absolutely. in a country, literally, that you were talking about, in, in, the Fifth Amendment, in the Fifth Amendment of the Constitution, no life should be taken without due process. Boom, abortion. you got people in a black robe. By the way, Republicans, not Democrats, passed the, for Roe v. Wade. So yep. people scammed on that. And you have you know, this idea of dividing us. So whatever they want to divide us on, we pull back the current curtain. And we – I really believe Martin Luther King's aspect of, of – of just saying no, you know, peaceful resistance is the only way. They can't force it. If, if all of us said no to these infringements on our life and our liberty and our property, things could change. The problem is the tenth plank of communism is government schools. They control the government schools. Yep. They control what's coming out, and they've seen the fruits of those victories. So when they hear people complaining about education, well, it's exactly what they wanted. But the sad part, Rocco, is where is anybody – we're from North Carolina. Where is any congressman? Where is any republican? Talking about this, now, vote for me. I'm a conservative. You got a guy Harris running for the ninth district. He's he's no worse or better than Pittenger. That really says, you know what? We we can never have a nuclear a nuclear Iran, and uh, it, it, therefore he actually comes to the point where you know if that means dropping a bomb. But what are you crazy? What what is this kind of stuff? This is lies. Yeah. He's a pastor. Preemptive yeah. war again. Pe- people are ignorant of history. I mean, I think the Nazis kind of got in trouble for that preemptive war stuff. I think they did. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Could I be wrong? Look at Pearl Harbor. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So this is what's awesome about this opportunity. We, we still have the opportunity on podcasts, on radio. We still have this opportunity. We keep on t- telling the truth. I hope we bring people to us. We don't want to see people that, that are, don't believe in this stuff, but we bring them to us. That's the gain. The gain is not our victory or our, our knowledge. The gain is want people to know that liberty is a verb. And the state, the health of the state is always the death of the individual. And we start to learn that and feel that we can make a revolution, a revolution of ideas. No doubt, no doubt. But they want to keep us, they want to keep us separated. They want to keep us divided. They want us to fight because they don't want us to see where the real power is. <laughs> well, that's why Rocco, keep talking when you're doing that. Keep educating people. Thanks, Dr. Brown. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much again, Pudgy. Good night. Good night. You've been listening to KRP Radio Show last Friday nights of the month with Rocco P. And I was glad there at the end that was uh, that was uh, an honor to be joined by Dr. Greg Brandon, former candidate for U.S. Senate and U.S. Congress. We'll be again. We'll be back again next week, next month, uh, I would say, and. 
always have to preface that as, or clarify that as believer. Lord willing, last Friday night of the month in May will be Friday, May 25th. Thanks again for listening to the KIRP radio show.